There's, there, there's only one faith in Christ. It's only one faith that leads to repentance, only one faith that leads to salvation, only one faith that leads to the promises. There are many other faiths, but they do not lead to the promises that we have in Jesus Christ. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, this teacher, morning, if you have your friend. Bibles, we're going to take hey, a, he's that a guy we call brief time out from our mini-series of Habakkuk and just be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're not going to be here long this morning, I promise you. It is going to be brief. And all of y'all can stop laughing about that too. I try, even if I fail. But I want to talk just this morning, just because we, we, were, bapti- we, we were celebrating baptism, and, and this verse does call our attention to baptism, specifically, specifically of what we have in common. And it's a passage on unity, and that's what we're going to focus on now. I, I want to, to make a distinction that, that, that's, that's a really important distinction. And it's the difference between unity and uniformity. All right? Now, I think we may use those words interchangeably, but they are very different. Okay? Uniformity is the desire to make everything the same. It's the reason why when you join uh, the, the armed services, they stick you in a uniform so that you all look the same and they cut your hair the same. So if you're just walking behind one soldier, they all look the same. They want it to be uniform, no distinction of thought. Everything is absolutely the same. The reason that believers are called to unity is very different. Unity is harmony within a group that is made up of different people. When you look around this morning, we are different people. And the reason the gospel calls us to unity is because it is more powerful than uniformity. It calls us to have the same mind, the same thought, to have a harmony within the group, even though we have differences. And the fact that we can be united over our differences speaks to the power of the gospel better than if we were all the same and we all looked alike and we all dressed the same and we did everything in a uniform measure. So we're called this morning, to have unity. And that unity, is what we're going to see, is, is not from an external pressure. Again, going back to the armed forces. If you were in the armed forces and I was not, where did the pressure come for y'all to be the same and do everything the same? Was that from inside or is that from some drill sergeant that, that was telling you exactly what to do and, and how to behave? And for those of you who are in the, the armed forces, you probably know that drill sergeant's name. Because he told you, this is what you're going to wear, this is what you're going to do, this is what you're going to look like, this is how it's going to be. There is no derivation. What we discover with unity is that unity is not external pressures, but it comes from the inside because it is from God as the author of our faith that gives us the strength and the ability to be unified. The unity comes 
from inside us because Christ is now in us. So this is what Paul writes about our unity, the first six verses of Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So this morning, just on on those six verses, what I want you to notice is three areas that even though we are different, we can have unity. And the first one is we have unity through our calling. We have unity through our calling. Now, I know uh, I've just jumped into Ephesians chapter 4, but there are three chapters before that, right? You you understand that. To get to 4, got to go through 1, 2, and (laughs) 3. In those three chapters, basically what Paul has been doing is he has been discussing the greatness of Christ. Talking about how wonderful of a Savior he is. How he came uh, to redeem us and how we have salvation through his atoning work on the cross. And so when he gets to chapter 4, if you look in the, the first word of, of ver, uh, chapter 4, is the word therefore. That, that, that's a hinge word where it says everything that I'm going to say now is dependent and hinges on what I've already told you. Well, he's been talking about the salvation of Christ and how great that is. And he says, all right, this then becomes the starting point of our unity. Because chapters 3, 5, and 6, as he is talking, it's really how the body of believers work. He's moving from the the discussion and and the doctrine of who Christ is and salvation to the doctrine of the church and how the church behaves. And he says, before I can get to all the other stuff, we have to understand this unity we have. And the unity we have, the starting point, is the fact that we have been called to salvation. We have all been called to the same thing. We have all been called through the same person, through Jesus Christ. We have all been called to make the same confession that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. There is no other way that you can be saved. There there is no other calling. It's not like somebody says, well, I, I was called by Jesus and I was called by this person over here and somebody else called me. And so all of a sudden, because if, if, if you had that, you immediately don't have unity. Remember when Paul was writing, he says, I'm glad that I didn't baptize any of you because some of you in the church are going, well, I'm, I'm, I follow Peter and I follow Apollos and I follow Christ and I follow this person and I follow this person. And basically what they were saying was our calling is not from Christ, but our calling is to this particular teacher. And at that point, you don't have unity. Because this teacher may have been teaching one thing and this teacher something else and somebody else. And Paul was like, I'm glad I didn't have anything to do with any of you. Because you'd throw me in that list as well and accuse me of bringing disharmony to the church instead of unity. And he says, the unity starts in our calling. Every last one of us here this morning who are believers in Christ can testify to the truth of 1 Peter 2.9. Where he says, we were called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. 
That is our calling. Where Christ said, hey, you're in the sin and, 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 and darkness and death. How about leaving that and come step over here into the light and come step over here into life and life more abundant? Don't you want to do that? And Jesus says, I'm calling you out of that. And that's where our unity starts. That's, that's the foundation. We are united through our calling. Then after he says that, he says, you need to be united in your conduct. We have unity through our conduct. Paul goes on and says, I urge you to walk. And, and that, that, that walk is, is so important. We are all on a journey. right? We, we are on a Christian journey. That as we walk through our lives, we, we demonstrate it by the way we walk. Yes, it is, it is critically important to finish and finish well. Where we differ from the rest of the world is we are not an ends justified the means. It's not however we get to the finish line, we get to the finish line. Right? Now, I got, I got to admit, some of the races, right, we just had the Summer Olympics, right? I, I didn't watch any because of the time difference. But let me just use a very silly illustration to drive that home. So everybody is lined up in their lanes for the 100-meter dash, right? Or 100-meter sprint, whatever the official title is. And the finish line's 100 meters away, and they're getting ready to run for all they're worth for 100 meters to cross the finish line. Now, how much fun would this be? Make it full contact. You do whatever you need to do to cross that finish line first. I bet you it would last a little bit longer than nine seconds. Right? There'd be elbows. There'd be people tripping one on each other. There'd, there'd be clotheslines. I, I mean, it'd be a lot more exciting. I, I mean, the, the ratings would skyrocket. But you can't do that. Why can't you do that? Because the Olympic Committee has said, you know what? Yes, the goal is to cross the finish line. However, it's important that you cross the finish line correctly. And so you've got to run by the rules. You've got to stay in your lane. You can't touch another competitor. You can't start before the gun. So Paul, that's what Paul is saying. We, we, we've got to run well. And when we run well, the conduct that we demonstrate is actually another characteristic of our unity. And he lists, I think it's five right there. First of all, he says, humility. Now, as you're going through this, you're going to notice it's a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. And since Paul wrote Galatians as well, you can understand the similarities. He says we've got to have humility. Now, humility is one of those interesting traits. If you know you have it, then you've lost it. All right, you're, you're figuring it out. Got it. All right. Once you stand up and say, man, look at how humble I am. Hmm. Um, maybe not. All right. And, and, and humility, you know what humility it is. It means we don't esteem ourselves above others. Not that we think poorly of ourselves, all right? I mean, let's, let's not go to the other extreme and think, oh, we're worthless, there's nothing that we can do. God, that, that's not true. But it means we, we don't esteem ourselves and, and our abilities above others, even, even if your ability is above others. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the hard part. Because some of us know that we have greater abilities in this area than somebody else. So we have to demonstrate those abilities in a humble manner. We don't brag about it. 
We don't make others feel bad. We don't have an, an overinflated ego of ourselves. Instead, we use those abilities to point back to God. And if we do it that way, we're going to remain humble because we recognize that God is over us, that He has given us those abilities, and we have those talents because of Him, not because of us. Right? I mean, we would be a miserable lot as a church if we all valued ourselves above everybody else in the church today. Would we not? Would you want to be a part of a church like that? Pretty sure there's been some church splits probably in the history of Christendom because of that very reason. So Paul says, your conduct, you need to be humble, walk in humility. Then he says, walk in gentleness. Now, some translations use the word meekness. And meekness has developed in our vocabulary a meaning that is not the biblical meaning. We think of meekness as a doormat. Well, I'll just lay down my rights and surrender to everybody and let people walk all over. That, that's, that's not what meekness is. Jesus was meek. He is described that way. He also went into the temple with a whip and drove out the money changers. So what, what is biblical meekness? Biblical meekness is controlling the power that you have. Think of it as a horse. A horse is an incredible animal that has... So much power, right? And that power, if it is harnessed correctly, can plow a field, can pull a carriage. If that power is not harnessed correctly, you can't get near that horse, can you? With it jumping and, and, and kicking and everything, you, you can't approach it. But man, you, you, you harness it and, and use, allow the horse to use its power under control. That's an amazing sight. If anybody goes to the fair, uh, I think it starts this week, right? They always have those, those, is it Pershons? I think that's how you pronounce it. Those great big, I mean, big horses, right? The, and they're, they're usually solid black. And I mean, just beautiful animals. And they take them out every now and then. They hook them to this great big trailer and, and drive it through. I mean, beautiful. When you see that power under control, that, that's how we're supposed to operate. Be gentle. Yes, we have power. We have places in our lives that we have influence and power. We use that gently. We don't beat somebody over the head with it. Hey, why don't we do this and, and, and you go that way? Hey, I got the power here. Let me use the power that I have to help you instead of abusing it. So we're called to gentleness. We're called to patience. Called to patience. Literally means long-tempered <laughs> as opposed to short-tempered. Everybody knows a short-tempered person? You don't admire that. But a long-tempered person, one who can endure one another without fighting back, doesn't mean discussing disagreements. Again, uh, again, not called to just compliance at all costs, but it means if somebody does something that, that, that hurts us or we, we don't, React in a snap way. We don't start yelling and fussing. We discuss this. We discuss this with each other, and we endure with each other, right? I mean, let's let's be honest. We've endured with each other for a long time at Red Bank, and sometimes you got to call on that patience. Otherwise, the conflict. 
And again, would, would, would you want to be a part of a church that looked like that? What, what does that say to the world? Hey, look at them. They're not like you. They're just like the rest of us. I, their confession means nothing. So we're called to be patient. We're called to love. Bearing one another in love. This is, this is enduring love. We bear with one another in love. Why? Because we're the same family. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all joint heirs. So we bear one another in love. That's what families do. So thank you, Red Bank, for bearing with me in love. And you're welcome. I just had to throw that one in. But we do. I mean, and I don't mean to be flippant, and I don't mean to be sarcastic. But I do, I, I do thank you because there's times where I'm sure somebody thought, I'm not sure why Gary did that. But because of the love you had for me, you chose to bear with me and try to figure out what's going on. And I, I do greatly appreciate that because that's what we're supposed to do as a family. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so we use that love so when a brother or sister does something that, that hurts us, we go, you know what? That's my brother and sister. I love them. I love them. I'm not just going to cast them aside just because something happened. I'm not going to break the familiar bonds. It reminds us that, that our love for one another is greater than our offenses. And then he calls us to unity. He says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And remember at the beginning I said unity was internal, right? This, this is a good... You see that, right? The, the unity of the Spirit. Eager to maintain. Notice it, it doesn't say eager to create, eager uh, uh, to make it, because we can't. We, we can't. We could come in and we could force uniformity, but we can't create unity because unity doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from God. And he says, now that you are a believer in Christ, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring unity because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are one. There is unity in the Godhead. And he says, therefore, to reflect me to the world, there's going to be a unity in you as well, but it's going to come through the Holy Spirit. At the same time, the fact that Paul writes the words, eager to maintain, should tell us something. What does that tell us? That sometimes unity is not easy to maintain. <laughs> sometimes unity is difficult. So what we have to do is make a conscious and active decision to maintain that unity. That we want the world to see a unified body of believers. And this is the conduct. If we're acting like this and we're demonstrating this to one another, that conduct unites us because we're all behaving this way. And at the same time, you understand and you've seen that if somebody is not acting that way, it breaks the unity. It disrupts it. Because that, that the eagerness to maintain it is not there. So our conduct is another way that we are united. But then finally, we have unity through our confession. Unity through our confession. And, and basically what Paul lists right here, it's really an early confession of faith, I would, I would call it that. 
because he lists seven different areas that we are united in our confession. And if you look at that, every one of those, the emphasis is on the word one. He says, look, there's not multiple. There's only one. Just one, not two, not maybe three, just one. And he says, so when we come, the unity through our confession is this. There's one body, just one. One body, and that is the church. We are all part of that body. Now, Paul, in, in this instance, you always got to be careful when we're talking about the church in the New Testament, whether we're talking about universal or, or local. This is local church. We, we are one body, and the beauty of that is everything that we need to be the body of Christ, God has given us. Everything. There, there is nothing that Red Bank lacks to be the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And he says, there's just, there's one body. He says, there's one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit who who gives us the power to maintain our unity. It's like being plugged into the power source. If you're not plugged into the power source, you're not going to be able to maintain that unity. First thing you do when your computer or your TV doesn't work is you go, is it plugged in? And if it's not, there's the problem. If we're not in the Spirit, if we're not allowing the the Holy Spirit to live through us and and change us so that we're eager to maintain the unity, we're not plugged into the power that will enable us to live the way we're called to live. He says you have one hope, and it's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Earlier Paul wrote that that you you have no hope, that you are in darkness and you are without hope. But then Christ comes and says, hey, now that you are one of mine, we have hope. What do we have hope? We have hope in our salvation. We have hope in the future. We have hope and joy. All all the promises that Christ has given us. We now have a a, a basket full of, of hope that we didn't have before. Because he's come and he's, he's called us out of the darkness. And he's lifted us out of the pit. And so we have hope. He writes, there is, there is one Lord. And that is Jesus. Jesus is Lord. There, there, is, there is no other name under heaven that is given that man should be saved. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All roads... Do not lead to the same top of the mountain. There's only one road that leads you to the top. All the others lead you off the cliff. And that is Jesus. He he, he is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is is the one who commands our allegiance. And, And there is no area of life, if you are a believer, that does not fall under the Lordship of Christ. Every single element, aspect, atom of your being is subject to Jesus as your Lord. Which means that there's no other Lord. There's there's no other. Remember the problem with the early church? You remember what the problem was? It, it, It was this right here. 
The problem with the early church, or not the problem with the early church, the problem Rome had with the early church was what? Christians would not confess that Caesar is Lord. That was the problem because they were going, uh uh uh, uh. there's one Lord and it's not Caesar. Well, you can imagine Caesar didn't like that. But the early believers demonstrated the truth of that. They said, I may live in Rome, but my ultimate allegiance is not to the Caesar. It is to my Savior, Jesus Christ, who is my Lord. You can think on that one this afternoon. It's becoming more and more apparent that we're going to have to make sure that we are solid in that particular confession, that Christ is our Lord. One faith. This is the faith that is delivered once and for all to the, to the saints. It is the cornerstone of our faith in Jesus Christ. It talks about the doctrines of the faith transmitted through God's Word. This, this is our faith. There's only one faith in Christ. It's only one faith that leads to repentance. only one faith that leads to salvation. only one faith that leads to the promises. There are many other faiths, but they do not lead to the promises that we have in Jesus Christ. One baptism. Every believer has been baptized into Christ. Demonstrated this morning. Romans 6, 3 says we are baptized into His death and then raised again. And that's what we saw this morning. The symbolism that Greg read of the death, burial, and resurrection through the baptism. Symbolizing our unity that we have first with Christ, but then we have unity among ourselves as well, because that was how we were baptized. There's one baptism that is in Christ, and then there's one God and one Father. Because we've been made part of the family of God. He is our Father. We are His children. Have you ever thought about how beautiful the doctrine of adoption really is? We talk about it. I've preached on it. You know it. We're adopted into God's family. Have you ever thought of this truth there when it comes to adoption? You don't get adopted accidentally. You ever, you ever thought about that? E e either way, you, you don't act as somebody who wants to adopt accidentally or you're not a person who is accidentally adopted. It is, it is a conscious decision. God consciously decides that He wants to adopt us into His family. That's even more amazing, right? He, he, he wanted, and you can make this personal to each one of you, he, he, he wanted me and his family. And as I keep telling you, my picture's on, the, on his fridge. He, he wanted me. He wanted you in his family. And, and, and he made that way through Christ so that you could be adopted into God's family. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that you weren't accidentally put in his family? Right? You, you didn't control the family that you were born into. You didn't control the family that, that was born to you. But God has control over bringing his children into his family. Because he is a God of love who wants us to be redeemed from our sin. And that is the unity that we have this morning. Do you see now why I said at the beginning that unity 
is much more powerful than uniformity. Unity speaks to the world that though we are different, those differences take a back seat to the unity we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It tells the world that there is power in the gospel. Because when you look around, what could unite us other than the gospel? And our unity as believers, as it is seen through our calling, through our conduct, and through our confession, tells one another and tells the world as well the power of the gospel to unite us in our confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and He is our Lord. And then that unity through our conduct demonstrates to the world that the profession of that faith is genuine because we walk the walk as we talk the talk and there is no disconnect. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.